This episode of Laser Time is brought to you by Ting, the best mobile service you've never heard of. Get $25 off your plan or $25 off a new phone by going to laser.ting.com. everybody, and welcome to episode 277 of Video Game Apocalypse. I am your host, Michael Sandy Shores Raparez. <laughs> Who else is here in the ethereal, magical Tyler Wilde Memorial Studio with me? Spanakopita Crescentista! <laughs> Pirate who's 200 years too late, Matthew Allen. And special guest... I just, I just washed up here. I don't... <laughs> where am I? I don't know what's going on here. I'm very wet. Do you have and a what's name? Your name? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, so, oh, oh, wait. oh, hell. Okay, I'm Tim. Hey, oh. this is Tim Turi. Tim, hi, hi Tim Turi. Thank you for joining us. Just a confused cast. I away. thought you might have been the pelican from Animal Crossing. You just washed up here. You have exotic goods to sell uh, us. Yep. You gotta do something about these weeds. Hmm. Oh, I got something to do <laughs> about the weeds. Yeah, man, it's legal now. Didn't you hear him? <laughs> Lol. But <laughs> what's this episode about? I'm dying to see if I can do this. Speaking of weed, uh, there is a particular strain that has something to do with the topic of this week's show. Wait, really? Is there? Maui yes. Wowie? Maui Wowie, yeah. So, wow. Um, wow. I think that's the weed my dad used to smoke. What prompted the topic of this week's show, which, by the way, is games set on entirely on tropical islands or in tropical environments? So, um, honestly, what prompted it is I was taking a vacation in a tropical setting, and, and then I just started making mm. me think of games that were set on tropical islands, and I realized that actually there were quite a few. Um, I mean, tropical islands in games as levels are sort of a trope, but there were enough just that were entirely based around tropical islands that I um, I said, well, there's a list right there. The other thing that sort of inspired it uh, was a couple weeks ago when we did the show about dead gaming trends, um, we just may have mentioned one of the entries on this list. So oh. there's a little bit of a tease for you. Hmm. I went out of my way to try and find the best musical theme for tropical islands. I want to see what you guys think. Can you hear this? Anybody yep. else doesn't conjure hear, images of like late night Comedy Central girls gone wild? I found so, the, <laughs> I found the, I, Is that what it is? I yes, it's, it's the like, Puppets Party Cruise. It's the Girls Gone Wild theme. Oh my oh, god. Okay. I thought you had like recorded one of my parents' parties where they were listening to Jimmy Buffett or no, something like that. This is just the girl Show me where babies feed. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> For those of you kids that's who didn't a, grow that's up a thing in the that early happened. 2000s, yes, weren't kids. old enough to watch late night TV. Yeah. That was a series of DVDs <laughs> that people bought of women exposing themselves in clubs. Have I ever told you guys my Girls Gone Wild story? No. Uh, no. Okay, so uh, New Year's Eve a few years ago, well, many years ago actually, I was in my 20s, um, I, I was dating a girl and she said, hey, come over, there's, there's a house party, we're going to go to this girl's house, it's awesome, it was in... Um, it was in Orange County, like in Laguna Beach area. The house was like on a cliff overlooking the ocean. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go. So I get to the house party and I, of course, I'm like bringing my nerd. I got my rock band set because it was a time like everyone's like, hey, let's play rock band or whatever. I show up 
And I start to kind of look around the house to get my bearings and I look at the family pictures and then I do a quick double take and I see <laughs> on the mantel place uh, standing proudly next to his parents and sister who whose house we were at uh, is Joe, the dude who runs and owned Girls Gone Wild. So I ended up doing a New Year's oh, Eve party criminal? in that guy's parents' house. <laughs> Oh man, the convicted what? criminal, uh, horrible, the, the worst person in the world. I believe I've heard him called. <laughs> One of them, sure. I'm I'm sure his parents were fine people, though. Dark Zach Braff. They had a nice house. That's all. I, <laughs> I, I I couldn't help but wonder as I was sitting there. I was like, did any of that money help pay for this house? Like, you know, like maybe the dude helped his parents. Probably. Yeah, you kids. In case you don't know, that's our generation's my pillow. My pillow, Jack. Um, <laughs> it's the best pillow. I'm it's a reform criminal who loves uh, pillows now. And Ooh, for the nice really pillow. olds, he's our generation's Larry Flint. <laughs> okay, Get all ends of the spectrum. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, think I, I think we've got. So th- thanks for listening to Girls Gone Wild Apocalypse, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, yeah, this uh, we we will talk about video games. Uh, first, there, there's like one video game that comes out this week that I wanted to talk briefly about. If you could play that long-neglected sound effect, Matt. These are the new releases. They are releasing So, one new release this week that I got a review code for, uh, unsolicited, I don't know exactly why, but I'm not going to complain, uh, for Graveyard Keeper, which is basically, uh, if you took... Um, What's what's the game that I I absolutely love the farming sim um, Stardew Valley. If you took Stardew Valley and instead of made it making it just about farming, it's about managing a medieval cemetery. Uh, you are a person in a modern world who is hit by a car and presumably dies and finds yourself in this little town where everybody just says, "Hey, I know you. You're the graveyard keeper. Uh, time to inter the corpses." And so you ha- you get these uh, bodies delivered to your little hovel periodically, and uh, you are you have to like autopsy them so that they aren't as gross. And then you dig graves for them, you plant them, you have to uh, maintain the cemetery with nice headstones and things like that. It gets really dark. Like uh, you can start cutting meat off the bodies and selling it in town once you get like a phony <laughs> royal seal. Um, I don't know. It's it's a lot of fun. I don't know if you, any of you guys have heard anything uh, I have about not. it. I, I've I've seen it pop up. I've seen the uh, like the art and stuff like that, uh, and it's pretty. Like, can you catch? Can you actually ride a donkey? Is uh, I haven't ridden the donkey so far, but the donkey is a prominent character. He brings the bodies okay, to you, and uh, he talks. You're apparently the only one who can understand him, and he talks about how his labor is being exploited by the bosses and one day the proletariat is going to rise up and he's going to get more carrots and uh, <laughs> once, once once you're made the, the owner of the church where the cemetery is, spoiler alert, he says like, oh you're just as bad as they are now, I'm, I'm not going to deliver any more bodies unless you put out five carrots at least per delivery for me and, and so then you have to keep this box stocked with carrots or <laughs> the bodies will just sit out there um but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and and in between this stuff, you're basically having to run a self-sustaining homestead with like you do all the mining, crafting. Uh, you still plant like a, a small garden, although it's it's not. I mean, you can be like a, a farmer, but uh, it's it's kind of just like a sideline. Um, 
And yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I started playing it over the weekend, and I could not stop. So it it right. scratches the same itches that Stardew Valley does, but although the the various systems feel kind of there, it's not quite as tight. You know, like I don't feel as much like everything relates to everything else uh, in a way that drives gameplay. But I'm I'm constantly discovering new things. So does does it have that like does it despite it being pretty spooky mm-hmm. does it still like have that relaxing sort of like gardening sim feel where you just yeah like, absolutely you know, well the, yeah. even the spookiness wears off like the first person you meet is like a talking skull who's like yeah I'm gonna I was the last keeper I guess I can help you out with stuff and uh, so yeah you um, th- there is that sort of relaxation of like okay now I'm gonna remove these body parts to make this corpse nicer and uh, go out and just like dig a grave, hold down a button while a meter fills up and then pop the body in, dump it in. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's weirdly relaxing. You're, you're right. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm very glad you brought up new releases cause I wanted to give a shout mm-hmm. out. Sure. To another new release. I wanted to give a shout out to IGN. <laughs> I know oh, they've boy. had a tough week, uh. <laughs> a tough week and I'm not making fun of them. You know, we have friends over there. Yes. But I'm not. You like I was caught up in their whole weird plagiarism debacle, and I felt like they dealt with it as best they could. But yeah. I don't think I would have known anything about Dead Cells had this not happened. And being transfixed really? on this issue had me look into de- Dead Cells, eventually buying it. And to me, Dead Cells is a game of the year contender. Really? Oh, really? For real? Like that game is fucking rad. It is Spelunky meets Dark Souls, and it rules. And it's awesome, and I lost an entire Saturday to a, a relatively simple concept uh, on the Switch. I really, really liked it. And it's only like 24 bucks. So, I, yeah, remember, like at the end of the day, that game got like a 9 or above, I believe. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I hope, I hope the, I hope all the other minutia doesn't hurt the, like, motion twin or the game, because the game is phenomenal, dude. You, and then you guys checked out Dead Cells? Yeah, I played the early access a bit. Yeah. Uh, do you do you play? Uh, do you like roguelikes in general? I, normally, I don't. It's just the idea that, like, I don't know. Like, you are unlocking new stuff as you go, and then the more you yeah. unlock, the further That's you huge. end up getting. And I'm still like, I am transfixed on it. I'm sad I have to be here and I'm not playing it now. <laughs> it looks right up my alley. I really enjoyed Salt and Sanctuary, which is similar, I think, in that it's like a 2D Metroidvania slash Souls-like, which was the vibe that I was getting off Dead Cells. Is that anywhere mm. sort of similar? And it, although Dead Cells has the roguelike aspects to it, right? Yeah, see, yeah. that that for me sort of reduces its appeal a bit because it's like, well, with the, for me, part of the appeal of a Metroidvania is getting to know your way around an area. And if the area is continually changing every time you visit it, then it becomes kind of more about like, all right, how do I get through here as quickly as possible? But that's the um, thing. The more you play, like you'll be getting, you can avoid the first couple areas in like 20 seconds because you don't, you're too, you're too powered up to need what they have to offer. So you'll just slice mm-hmm. through it and eventually find the entrance to the next thing. It's, I swear, it's, it's really good. And the progression that is great. That meta progression, like having a little bit from, from game to game, like right with Rogue Legacy is I think what really separates the, those games in that genre for me. And that plus like the tone and the Castlevania part of it, which is like totally my jam is, hmm. uh, I know, I know I'm going to like it. And I'll probably finish it because it has that persistent progression. Yeah. So I, uh, I feel like I, I also played it initially in early access and then I went back to it, uh, after it 
finally released and everybody started raving about it. And uh, I, I feel like there's personality that I didn't notice the first time around. Like, yeah, it's dude. a little bit goofier. Your headless character is very emotive. Yeah, he's a piece of gelatinous kind of goop. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it all looks like, um I don't know what style to call it, but it reminds me of Out of This World or like a, hmm. a Genesis port of Earthworm Jim. <laughs> Interesting. But uh yeah, it's 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 like super pretty in the style that it, it it hits upon and like it is addictive. It is fantastic, dude. I have not enjoyed a game this much almost the whole year whole year. So that's why I'm giving the shout out to IGN. I just want to let them know the system works. I saw your review. I bought the game based <laughs> on your recommendation. <laughs> but did you read the re-review that they published after that whole debacle? There was a re No, I didn't read the re-review, yeah. but like the the, the game through t- terrible means came into my field of view which it might not have otherwise and it's it's great. My hope is that like it's not IGN's fault, it's not the game's fault, but I don't think I think the game's getting more exposure than it ever would and good because it's fucking great. I mean, it's been it's been getting like nines and tens from everywhere. So you it's are really far good. from alone. It's yeah. really good, and um, even undocked on the Switch, we're like, oh man, only forty frames a second. Totally works, fantastic. Do not sleep on it. That game is mm. amazing. Yeah. So between that and Graveyard Keeper, that's two like super addictive retro styled pixel art games that have come out within the span of two weeks. It's that's cool. It's interesting because like I I used to mix up. I was tracking both Dead Cells and death's gambit for a period of time mm. and death's gambit is also sort of a side-scrolling souls kind of inspired pixelated kind of retro game and that came out today and i haven't i haven't got a chance to play it yet but i just it's like learning uh it's like when i learned that like uh the logical song and like i don't know breakfast in america were both super tramp songs or something like where it's just <laughs> like i thought they were the same game but like they're by separate people yeah anyway that's a really weird comparison uh, but Anyway, it seems like a, we're getting like sort of a lion's share of like these awesome types of games. Um, and I'm really curious about Death Game. Too, yeah, it's, so. it's really yeah, it looks it, really pretty. I don't know. I don't know yeah. about that. Maybe Tim has more insight. You know, we do thirty twenty ten, right? Yeah, we do that with Michael's uh, wife, uh, Mister Michael Rapara, Zaina Goodman. Yes. Uh, yeah. in, uh-huh. in video game news, what I thought was interesting for thirty twenty ten this week, twenty years ago this week. For I think the first time, not the only time, because of some Halo Gears of War nonsense, uh, a book and game debut at the same the same week. Michael, do you know what that is? I ask you because you should know. <laughs> hmm. A book and a game debut the same week. A book and a game that are of, related. Of the same that are related. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. It's not The Witcher. It's something you should know about because it's your job to know about. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, that would be Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Oh, oh. right. Yeah, okay. And that, that debuts this week, and I thought that was absolutely fascinating because, like, Tom Clancy, it looks like he just started his own studio to, like, make games. He was, like, ahead of the curve. And mm. Oh, man, that... That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that totally just reminded me of I was walking around San Diego Comic-Con and hearing... Uh, a. This is maybe not as good of a story as I hope it is, but it was a, a kid and like a kid, probably like 12 years old or something, and his mom walking around the, you know, the, the San Diego. And it was very clear that like the only snippet I heard was like, wait, what? You don't know who Tom Clancy is, mom? Oh, let me tell you about <laughs> it. He's a famous game designer. That's all these, and it was this precious like GTA, like street dialogue level of just like, that's fine. I don't need to know anything else about this conversation. This is perfect. <laughs> But but isn't that like Tom, Tom Clancy has been dead for almost a decade? 
And like his name means more to games than I think books in the last decade. Uh, it depends on what age group you're talking about. I think, you know, with dads, which for our age group yeah. will forever be people between 40 and 70. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, his books are way more popular, but, uh, yeah, but he hasn't the, written a book in 10 years. The relevance to Tom Clancy's name has been in video games through Red Storm, mm-hmm. um, yeah. for the last 10 years. I just think that's, and that's Ubisoft. Insane. I can't think of another dead person whose name is affixed to a video game, the title of a video game. Hmm. Uh, like Wildlands, yeah, from Wildlands to Division, think. all those games' titles are Tom Clancy's blank. And yep. I just think that's, I think that's absolutely nuts. And, uh, yeah, I, I, now I forgot why I brought that up, but it was a, it was for, oh, because like, Timmy, you work in a, at a publisher, like the summer, and so does Maddie, the summer in, has been like a real dry time for games, and I don't remember it being that way. You mean in recent, in recent years? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it used like, to be the traditional like dry time for games, and, and it was so weird because we were like kids on summer break going, That's hey. when we played the most games. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, late in, in recent years, the summer has been just as active as, any other time of year like it, it there is no like i mean there's still the holiday season and you know like october to november are the biggest releases of the or actually really september through november but yeah it used to be in recent up until yeah i mean this year is a is slow for recent history for summer game releases like yeah like i think that's yeah fair to say. I, I i've just i've grown up i feel like i'm living in a world of summer of arcade you know where we're just our cup runneth over during the summer oh, but yeah. like back in looking going through 30 2010 it's it's doldrums man by the way, Timmy, congrats on Monster Hunter World hitting PC, buddy. Oh, thanks, man. I had nothing to do with that, I know. but I do, I do like that game a lot. Uh, but I know you know who did, so. and they're lovely people, and I love that game so fucking much. Love it. Yeah. Well, yes. while I was playing Graveyard Keeper on Steam over the weekend, my notifications kept popping like, this person's playing Monster Hunter World. This person's playing Monster Hunter World. So it was clearly very popular. I, I, I couldn't be more That's happy awesome. that the world finally caught on to Monster Hunter and that it hit PC and... It's so, it's just a wonderful positive. It's making me want to upgrade my PC so I can run that shit as as big as possible. Yeah, I've yet to I've yet to take the the PC version for a spin yet, but I'm excited to. Yeah, because uh, I loved it. I loved it on PS4. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. sure. I mean, I have a free extra 200 hours. I might as well just play all that again. Why not? <laughs> sure. Why yeah, not? just play that real real quick. Yeah, <laughs> it's some of the best time I've had in gaming. I love it. Love it. Well, our show this week is not just about monsters and graveyards and uh, headless bodies and roguelikes. It is about tropical islands Woo! and games set entirely within of, them. Of, of, well, and, of which Monster Hunter World is, has a lot of that. <laughs> There's a lot of tropical yeah. settings. But yeah. but yeah, that's actually a great opportunity for me to clarify, as I like to, the rules of this and what, I, mm. what we mean. So for yeah. this list specifically, the game has to take place primarily on a tropical island. So that doesn't mean... That means things like um, Eventide or Eventide Island from Breath of the Wild don't count because that's just one tropical island uh, as part of a much mm-hmm. larger game. Yeah, and uh, I should also say you uh, came up with this list, executed the whole thing, so it's not my fault that the big games that are just now popping into my head that are omitted were omitted. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I am confident that we still have a phenomenal top five. Yes. But thanks for yes. that. Quick, thanks for that. Cover your ass right there, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> that lovely vote of confidence. Yes. Oh, no, I just I just thought of a very big one. It's like, oh, why didn't I suggest this? Ah, well, ah, well we, that's why we have honorable mentions at the end of the list. But mm-hmm. um, my only other rule: the island has to be tropical. So we're, we're talking palm trees, sun, surf, sand, coconuts. 
haircuts, bikinis, all this fun stuff. We're not talking like, mm-hmm. we're not talking a mysterious island like from Mist or from The Witness or something like that. It's got to be tropical. Mist Erious Island. Yeah. Yes. There, hey, there you go. Um, so those are the only rules. It's just the game's got to be take place on a tropical island. Um, and that's it. All right. Well, we'll dig into that right after this. Let's get scratching. Take a look at your phone bill, people. I know I'm pretty careful with my mobile service, yet my bill has still gotten a little out of control. Well, there are other options out there, people, like Ting, the best mobile service you've never heard of. Plus, they're offering $25 off your bill or $25 off a new phone in the Ting shop just by going to laser.ting.com. You might not know about Ting, but they're a phone service uh, that do things a little differently, starting with their plans. Because there are no plans. Seriously, there is no plans, no contracts, and no startup fees. You simply pay for the data that you use. If so, if you're like me and you're someone who's mostly connected to Wi-Fi all the time, you might be paying more than what you need to for your data right now. For example, the average Ting bill is just $23 per phone. And Ting offers nationwide LTE coverage so you'll get a great signal from coast to coast. And just so you know, almost any phone will work with Ting. From that ancient Motorola Razor to the latest Galaxy X9 or iPhone 10, you're just a SIM card away from a new phone and a new plan. So if you've had it with the high cost and hidden fees of other service providers, Ting might be for you. And better still, laser timers can get $25 off their bill or $25 off a new phone just by going to laser.ting.com. That's the word laser, T-I-N-G.com for $25 off your bill or a new phone. And we're back with what, Matt? Uh, uh, Top five tropical island games. I was drinking. You can't change that up on me. Normally we ask Chris. Are you... How did you know I was taking a sip right at that moment? <laughs> I actually had no idea. <laughs> oh, but man. it's your list, so I thought I'd let you take point. Well, thanks very much for that. Um, You're very welcome, you <laughs> son of a bitch. What was that? <laughs> it's back to the old catchphrase. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> that's a hell of a way to kick off with our... Number five. I know this one. Go ahead. But who else wants to guess? Anyone? Um uh <laughs> It seems it seems familiar, but I'm I am I'm blank. Yeah, this is Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. Ding ding uh, ding. Why do I know that song though? That is Because it played in their trailers. It played in the trailers, <laughs> it played every time you started the game up. Uh, if anything, the soundtrack of this game, that's one of the more memorable things. It's just pop like that every scene in the game. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. so, so Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball, uh, from, from 2003, which was exclusive to the Xbox, by the way, part of the whole Team Ninja thing with, uh, Ninja uh-huh. Gaiden, and, um, is a game that takes place entirely on an island. And it's not just on any island. No, 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 no. This island is owned by one of the DOA fighters, uh, who sounds a little something like what you hear in this clip. Zach, what's that? Check it out. <laughs> that is my island. Say what? Later, baby. I'm out of here, honey. Oh, yeah! <laughs> so, actually, I, I do have a small correction. That 
is how Zack sounds in that particular game, but that's also how a real human being sounds. Does any guesses who played Zack in this game? It wasn't Dennis Rodman, that was it? It was absolutely Dennis Rodman. Because I know world? Zach was kind of based on Dennis Rodman. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I was I was surprised. Like that actually sounded convincing uh, as as far as voice acting from that era goes. I'm like, wow, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just a yeah. worm, baby. <laughs> so the plot, the setup for this this game, which really the reason was just to get people to get all of the girls from DOA on an island in bikinis. Let's be honest. But the the premise here was Zach, played by Dennis Rodman, uh, gambles his winnings from the DOA three tournament and wins big, uh, big enough to buy an entire yeah. island. So he he canonically won. Yeah, he canonically <laughs> won. At least with, in the alternate pocket universe of these volleyball games, he won. Uh, he invites. This is where it gets a little creepo. He invites all of the DOA ladies to the island under the guise of a tournament but really he just wants them to party with him alone so it's like a fucked up pervy enter the dragon basically wow. yeah i'm i'm really i'm really more weirded out looking into the soundtrack that if you have if you have if you have the spice girls the baja men and real big fish on one soundtrack i don't know isn't that a recipe to wanting to kill yourself God, I think you're living your best life. Sounds like to me. Okay, I guess so. <laughs> that means you're oh very good. You like to have a good time, just like Zach likes to have a good time. Um, mm-hmm. although he doesn't have a good time for long, because the way this game ends is a volcano ultimately destroys the entire island, which they have to then think of a reason to come up with the sequel, um, which we'll get to. Uh-huh. The reason is boobs. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So let's talk about like the gameplay, like the, the whole reason. This game, it's interesting, right? So, it has this structure yes, where... Yes, it's interesting. Mm, yeah. <laughs> how, how, how did it go again? She kicks high. That's, mm. that's the DOA oh, yeah. commercial. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting structure where you play this game uh, for two weeks at a time, and any money you earn or things you get from a playthrough carry over into your next playthrough. So, a bit like Dead Cells, it's like a naked volleyball roguelike. Hmm. <laughs> um, the game, oh, the, the whole goal of the game though is, is while you're, you can, you basically have three slots every day, uh, for activities. And part of those activities can be volleyball, the namesake of the game. Um, which I would say actually, it wasn't a bad game of volleyball. It, it's an underutilized genre along with dodgeball, but it, it's actually, it was pretty fun, like that game. No, as volleyball games go. This game reviewed surprisingly well. Edge gave it an 8 out of 10. IGN gave it a 9.2 out of 10. I remember playing this with my friend and making fun of him. And it's like, it's not a bad volleyball game. It's not. It's not. Now, now, although part of that might have been who tended to write for game websites at the time, you know, horny young males. Because in addition to volleyball, there were a few other side activities. um, Things like, uh, well, they sounded a little bit like this. Is this the inappropriate touching minigame? Uh, no, that minigame um, was called the Butt Battle game. Ah, okay. Yeah, so uh, in that game, pretty much all you do is it's it's also – they also called it Hit Battle, just to be safe. But you have mm-hmm. to knock your opponent off a shared floating raft, um, right. kind, of, kind of like sumo, where all they're doing is just bumping butts against each other throughout the entire minigame. Trying to knock Wait, each other over, yeah. right. Is, yeah. Isn't that like an actual anime that – that really like yes i think so 
that's a real I, thing, I think there's it? a term that's not just anime for that kind of thing, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but I feel like I only ever saw it in anime before this. Mm-hmm. Like, it, 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 you'd be hard-pressed okay. to find someone doing that in real life, partly because if you're standing on a floating platform, it's presumably balanced by the two people standing on it. So if you knock someone into the water, you're going to just fall in yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, I, I mentioned earlier, all of the gameplay, including the decent volleyball game, this was just an elaborate ruse to to get those girls in skimpy swimsuits. Because the other thing you do in the mm-hmm. game, there's there's gambling and casino games. You win money just basically to buy them outfits. And when I say skimpy swimsuits, I'm not exaggerating. Um, so go ahead when you're not at work and do an image search for DOA Extreme Beach Volleyball bikinis or whatever. And some of the first results that pop up... Um, pop up... <laughs> sorry, poor choice of words there. Uh, well, let's just say... <laughs> yeah, it's it's... It's pretty obvious what they were going for and who they were catering to, which is which is kind of sad because, like I said, the it was a decent game of volleyball. Not that there's tons of volleyball video games out there to begin with, I guess you know. Yeah, I think I think you know we know what this is, and I, I probably the most revealing of those bikinis was I think it was called the Venus swimsuit, which was just like strategically placed beads yeah. with string. Yeah. And I, I just remember that because like some game website came out with like how to get it because like this is the closest thing to a nude code in this game. Well, so. actually funny you mentioned that. So a couple things there. Um, it uh-huh. was the Venus swimsuit. That was also the name of the uh, third title on the Vita. So DOA Extreme Volleyball 3 on Vita was called Venus. Uh, and then right. the one on PS4 was Fortune. Um, those... They switched allegiances, so the Rhymes first with Fortune. Yeah, <laughs> the first two games were Xbox exclusives or Xbox then then 360, and then the last game was not only a, a Sony exclusive on PS4 and Vita, but they were Japan exclusive. They just never came here, which is sort of a shame because hmm. we got an all new Paradise Photo Mode, which you know what that's about, sickos. Um, yeah. No, but but you mentioned the skimpy bikini. Actually, this is the first DOA game to get an M rating. They were T rating. Oh. The boobs, the boobs and butts all shook behind cloth before. That's true. But this was a series yeah. where as you increased your age in the menu, the, the, all That's the way up right. to 99 years old, the boobs and butts would bounce more in the physics engine. And it could get so ridiculous. Like even playing it on like the original DOA on the PS1 and the Saturn, like I remember just like these ridiculous, like it, it was like just a sack of water shaking up and down or something. It was just like going all over the place. It's like no actual boob moves even remotely like this, but this is still kind of neat that this yeah, is but happening. Also most, most people don't live to 99 either to kind of see that. <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah, yeah, you've earned either, it so. it's point. on the honor system. Yeah. I mean, I never went higher than 18. <laughs> no, of course I wouldn't. I, I've only heard what it looks like when you get up to the nineties. I've never seen it. Firsthand. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Michael, you mentioned the nude code. So yeah, of course. And this was mentioned on uh-huh. another previous episode, 264 about gaming urban myths. Uh, of course, this game had a nude code from, of course, published by our friends at EGM that never existed. Mm-hmm. There was no true nude right. code. There was just hackers that figured out how to, you know, mess with the models and stuff. But I'm sure there were plenty of angry dudes who uh, were like, why? Why isn't this real? Why isn't it working? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the game was good enough, though, where it got two sequels. So the first in 2006 on 360. And that one had mm-hmm. a couple new modes. Um, one of the biggest modes. It, it had jet skiing. It had jet right? skiing, which was it was like it felt just like Wave Race. Like it had the physics down for Wave Race. I don't think that one was as well reviewed, though, if memory serves. I uh, probably the the charm or novelty had worn off because it's like oh yeah we 
only really needed one volleyball game. Uh, and then, yeah, the third game, like I mentioned, is PS4 and Japan exclusive, Fortune for PS4, Venus for Vita. Uh, and then, yeah, they, there's a couple couple other modes, such as that butt battle mode. Wow. I'm I'm just looking at Dead or Alive Extreme 2 on Metacritic. 53. Oof. Oof. We've grown up so so much in those few years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the way they were able to, to justify having a sequel, I think that game opens with Zack in a submarine searching for long-lost uh, treasure at sea, and he finds it and, mm-hmm. and has enough money. And what's the first thing he does? He didn't learn his lesson the last time he bought an island. He buys another island. So, uh, yeah. Is it also a volcano yes. island? Yes. I, I don't know that to be true, to be honest. But, um, hmm. but yeah, well, obviously not, because we got a third entry. Although I don't think Zach is around for the third entry, if memory serves. I didn't, pl- I didn't play the third one because it was Japan exclusive. So, Right. Well, yeah. I, di- I did... I took several gifts from this game, but not from the game. <laughs> of course play, you did. There's, there's <laughs> some of the funniest things I've ever seen. Just look up Dead or Alive, Dead or Alive Volleyball 3 uh, gifts, and it's the guy in the VR mode uh, who, who's doing the demo. That guy is the funny one because, <laughs> man, that guy is contorting his bodies in a lot of ways to really utilize this virtual reality feature. <laughs> <laughs> He's really getting into that volleyball game, man. Look at him dig. It's, Whoa. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Empathetic. <laughs> That's the, is that the fourth one? Um, or is that the fourth one? The PS4 one with VR? Yes. Then I guess that would have to be it. There was no VR in the Vita. So, yeah, I mean, anyone else have any fond memories? I mean, memories to share about the DOA uh, Extreme Beach Volleyball? I never actually played this series, but sorry, go ahead. I I didn't either. I I remember, uh, I think someone was reviewing it at Game Informer uh, when I was back at Game Informer, and I heard the music, and uh, the music uh, I thought was pretty catchy as we saw some of it, and I remember remember thinking that there were some genuine fun jams, and I'm sure out of context, but yeah, I I never, I didn't play the the games themselves. I, I don't know. Why not? I I know why. Because you had a preoccupation with dignity. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be so upset if I'm the only guy here that played this alongside Chris. (laughs) Because I I, I at least played the first one. I mean, you clearly didn't know me at that age. Uh, (laughs) Dignity was not a concern, but. um... Hmm. Well, anyway, All right. <laughs> so so yeah. one person I know uh, wasn't on the island in a skimpy bikini is featured in our next entry, which is number four. Not yet, not yet. Here we are. Good. Jace, look at this place. Unbelievable. <laughs> Paradise. Hey, Nikki, where are we again? Island's not on the map. Let's hit it. Do some exploring. And there's our boat. Yeah. Guys, I'm on a boat. <laughs> Where did you find this guy? There's always mm. one. Yeah. Any guesses? I'm on a boat. Any guesses what that was from? Michael, you should know this one. I mean, I know what all these are, but <laughs> does somebody else want to try? This is Far Cry 3. You should all be ashamed of yourselves. Oh, man. I, I was waiting <laughs> to play the remastered version. Well, it's out. No one can do it anytime. <laughs> or if you've already played it, you can play it again, but someone might have something to say about that. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Oh, Jesus. Oh, fuck you! I, I did 
just love that he's he's so the main character there is falling off a cliff to presumably mm. his death shouting fuck you to uh that was Vaz who's the the head Vaz Montenegro Vaz Montenegro the head baddie from uh Far Cry 3 so yeah Far Cry 3 takes place on the Rook Islands um which are fictional islands they're between the Pacific and Indian Ocean between Thailand and, and Papua New Guinea uh, and so the clip we heard there at the beginning was was the main character, Jason Brody. He's on vacation with a group of his friends celebrating his younger brother, Riley, getting his pilot's license. So they're you hear them skydiving. They're getting they're getting on you know boats and stuff like that. But ends up they get kidnapped and taken by a pirate headed up by Vaz Montenegro, who is planning on selling them into slavery as heard here. Well, I hope you don't mind your papa really, really love you. Because you two white boys, you look very expensive. And that's good, because I like expensive things. I'm sorry, what did you say? What did you say? Did you want me to slice you open like I did your friend? Shut the fuck up! Okay? I'm the one with the fucking dick. Look at me. Look me in the fucking eye. Hey! You fuck! Look me in the eye! You're my bitch. I rule this fucking kingdom. Shut the fuck up, or you die. Hey, you fuck! Look me in the eye. Move the right stick. <laughs> I have. I've got the dick. Now look up and down. <laughs> I'm the one with the dick. Move the right stick. You guys are venturing. You guys are veering really into Triumph the Insult comic book. Right now. <laughs> that was more Triumph. Absolutely was. Yeah. No, but actually, yeah. Yeah, credit to the actor playing Vaz Montenegro because that was. I mean, it's an amazing performance. The whole game. Yeah. He comes off as a legit insane person, but it's it's riveting stuff. Like every scene he's in, yeah. you just your eyes are on the screen. Well, that yeah, that actor Michael Mando yeah. is. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Tim. No, no, sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, yeah. I mean, as far as like. I feel like he was on that turning point of like, uh, you know, video games with like incredible villains, and that performance was like was second to none. And I, I think I just remembered him from Breaking Bad at that point, and it was just such a like a natural. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Wait, that's the same guy I, I, from from. I don't think he wasn't on Breaking Bad. Better, better, call, Saul. On better call Saul. No, yeah, he looks right, like yeah. him though. It, that is him. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! Sorry, that, that actor, Michael Mando, and and it was such a weird thing. Like if you had played Far Cry Three and you knew this is a video game character, like oh here he is on your TV. But yeah, that was that was his actual face, actual motion captured performance, and it was great. And uh, it, I I hope it was a big part of the the better and bigger thing or the the bigger things that he is now a part of. Um, but yeah, the, Voss was amazing, and I I remember. When this came out, and again, I am an employee of Ubisoft, so uh, I'm, I'm going to speak glowingly about it, but I loved it even uh, when it came out. And it was so strange to me that it was released in December when all these sites had already put together like their game of the year lists. When it's like, this is an easy contender for game oh, of man. the year. And, and it just like slipped under everybody's wires. But it's so amazing. Yeah. yeah. I do remember that. I remember that at Game Informer as well, where it was just like, that one came in and it slid in and people were like sneaking like test kits home and stuff being like and this amazing thing where everyone was playing it at once and just sort of like coming in and, and just sort of wide-eyed about it where it was the first far cry game that i had really gotten into and it was just mm-hmm. like really difficult to put down um like the the gameplay loop like the progression loop and just like the gameplay itself was just yeah, like, yeah i don't know there was no easy place to quit and the the first time like using the hang glider and the wingsuit and all that stuff yeah so speaking great. speaking of the gameplay i think 
one of the reasons, you know, Far Cry 3 is on this list as opposed to um, some other entries is this game really set the mold for what Far Cry games have been ever since. So, so Michael, you already yeah, – totally. or Tim, I'm sorry. You already mentioned huh. one, of, one of the biggest things, which is that charismatic antagonist, you know. So following Vaz, mm-hmm. uh, we had um, – oh, Far Cry 4. Remind me. Scott Thompson. Scott Thompson? <laughs> yeah, from Kids in the Hall. That was <laughs> That's what everybody what? said he looked like. I'm not talking at a school. Come on. Everyone said that looked like Buddy Love. Oh, the the villain. Oh, yeah. Pagan, Pagan Min. Min. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. From Far Cry 4. Yes. Who, Chris, you're absolutely right, was partially <laughs> channeling Buddy from, from Kids they and All. Like, say. he had to have been, right? And then even, yeah, in the mo- in Far Cry 5, we had uh, the cult leader. Yeah, the father. Joseph Jacobs. Joseph is one of, seed, yeah. one of them uh, seed boys. There, there's... There's there's John Jacob and Joseph and I, yeah. I even this is How to my great you? shame I tend to miss mix I can't them up. wait for the DLC with Jingleheimer Seed that'll be great mm. <laughs> um, no but happy. sorry it set the mold the the, the antagonist thing uh, this game had the forts or the enemy camps that you have to go conquer that then can kind of open up things around on the map. It had mm-hmm. crafting where if you hunt and kill animals, you can upgrade your character. Um, it had a thing that's been in, in all three Far Cries, which is you ultimately align with a rebel faction to fight the big bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. You can approach situations stealthily or you can go in guns blazing. Uh, there's there's even like skill trees. So this game had the spider, shark, and heron skill trees. So for like stealth, assault, and everyone knows the heron is there for mobility and sniping. Because when I think heron, I think sniper. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, Sniper Heron. It's a Metal Gear character. But I, I think this game also, like, it did something very important. You mentioned the outposts. And Far Cry 2, uh, it also had outposts. They were smaller. But I think it came under some criticism because once you'd clear them out, uh, they'd just get repopulated later. And uh, the, the uh, justification for that was, like, we didn't want to remove the gameplay from areas, like, whole areas and, and just, like, have it be boring. But uh, they, they found a way around that by, like, making them an integral part of exploration and just sort of this feeling of conquest of the map that you are taking them back from these pirates mm-hmm. and later uh, mercenaries. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and in this game, I, I do remember, so Jason, the main character... A lot of people just thought of him as sort of unlikable. And it got to the point because it, 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 it's almost like commentary on video games where the game is self-aware enough to know you are this guy who's supposed to be there vacationing with friends. And as you level up and gain more and more skills, you become a killing machine, but you're like the self-aware killing machine. Uh, and, and they explained mm-hmm. it away saying, Oh, well, you are this, like you, you now have the power of the, the, the natives, the Rakiat warriors, and you are, you know, you're destined to be the one warrior that saves us all. But in the meantime, his friends are like, dude, you're becoming an asshole. Like, why are you killing everybody? But check out my cool tribal tattoo. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that gradually grows over the course of this adventure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think, um, well, I remember one thing that I read early on about Far Cry 3 was like, uh, I, I can't remember who it was. Might have been one of the producers saying, like, we thought it would be cool to take a, a normal person and say, like, okay, now, uh, what would a normal person do if they were in this situation? It's like, well, we know that it happens every day. They die. <laughs> yeah, uh, <right>. But, <laughs> but like, I, I think it, it's more like it, it's sort of playing with this. Uh, you know, avatar style, uh, white savior narrative where like, yeah, he's just an average white guy who's not really appreciated, but then he saves this tribe or whatever and becomes one of them and he's no longer a misfit. He belongs. So 
but and and Far Cry Three kind of satirized that. I feel like did did was three sort of the origin of the uh, the sort of recurring hallucination uh, element with with a lot of the games, or was that present before that one? I mean, I never really played the. I mean, there were several games uh, based around the first game yeah. that were like direct sequels yeah. to that, Far Cry Primal, etc. That that might have uh, been part of that. I don't think it was really part in two. In two, you had like oh. the malaria that would right. take over every so often and just debilitate mm-hmm. you. So you'd get monologued at by the villain, the jackal. And then, yeah, three is where it kind of went off the rails into crazy town. I mean, we talked about it in our previous show. Uh, by Far Cry 5, they had figured, well, we're not going to make these drug trips uh, optional side missions. We're actually going to make it a key component for one of the bosses in the game where one of like the big main areas of the entire game is you – you're constantly like taking drug trips because you're like in these these fields that basically is this drug that that is drugging you. Oh, it's face yeah. face region. Yeah, that and it, I th- I thought that was a really smart way to sort of I don't know weave them in. Whereas yeah, in the in three and four there was like these kind of set piece moments. Like in three, I think it was just like a a giant guy was reaching down and, and grabbing you. And um, but yeah, no, I, I think that five was a good answer to that. But three is like it just fit the sort of tropical vibe really well. Mm-hmm. And plus, it had the uh, the mo-capped uh, Voss like spinning on the stripper pole while you're having that weird hallucinatory oh, oh, hallucinatory right. fight yeah. with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the one with the dick, Michael. Man, he's I the one. The, he has I, a dick. I love that game. I love that game. So yeah, much. and if any, if nothing else, that game gave us Far Cry Blood Dragon. So yes, <laughs> you know, right Absolutely. there. Oh yeah, also, also that, worth playing, yes. and that also. Technically on a tropical yeah, I just, island. Just thought uh, of although that. Although it's yeah. like a weird neon. Yeah, it's like a weird neon tropical island. Yeah, of course, that's my favorite kind. That's so like Miami. Mm. Uh, yeah, like, it's like Miami. one of the islands near Miami, Miami, one of the Florida Keys. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's. I, I think that's an improvement over most of the movies that it's parroting because those were all shot like in a warehouse in L.A., like the same warehouse. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm glad it's not just a big empty dark cavern yeah i did i did love that uh they even though like the game looks better than any of those movies that it was like sort of taking from or it was like uh dean evans trying to like make the bad guys uniforms look like the shitty like wraith motorcycle sort of futuristic Mm -hmm. like alien motorcycle motif and stuff like still trying to intentionally make them look a little bad was great and then and then the far cry 5 callback to it all was like was a lot of fun. Absolutely. I think what was it like? I remember reading that the designers had like a challenge where it's like, okay, you have a one hundred and fifty dollar costume budget. You need to hit up a thrift store and like try to assemble all the costumes from the game, and then we'll model them in the game based on what you come up with. So, so basically, the same yeah. way nineteen eighties wrestlers arrived at their outfits or costumes. Sure. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, it's very authentic. That's right. So speaking of the 80s, that leads me to our... Number three! I spent several hours last night playing this game for the first time. Really? What? It's good. Yeah. What do you think? Um, it's weird. It's a really weird game. Uh, this is Star Tropics, by the way. It is Star Tropics. This is the one I was teasing earlier that was on our list from a few weeks ago and partially mm-hmm. made me think of this. Is this? Uh, 
it is it is weird, but it's I think it's weird because it was so ahead of its time. It was a 1990 NES game that mm-hmm. was doing a lot of things that I have come to associate with the SNES. You know, in terms of like RPG like elements. Yeah, well, it it feels like uh, if I were to compare it to three other games of the period. If you combine Goonies 2 with Zelda and then the overworld from Dragon Quest, where, yeah, it's, it's, and, and every episode of the game, every chapter is like completely different, uh, tone and presentation and, you know, similar gameplay, but like, it, it's just so weird. Like, one second, like, hey, use a mini sub to try and find secret passages to uh, rescue a dolphin. And then in the next level, you have to convince a fortune teller to turn you into a girl so you can get into this women only fortress. Uh, it's it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, but I is. think we we might have a sound effect that uh, illustrates some of that. OK, so I'm looking for my uncle, but I'm not too sure how to find him. So I go to this island, right? First, I gotta talk to the chief, and then I gotta get this parrot to talk, and then I'm then I'm talking to these dolphins, and I'm sneaking around graveyards and shooting zombies and finding undersea tunnels, and then my sub cracks up on the rocks, and the next thing I know, I'm cruising inside a whale. Oh, oh new game for Nintendo, man! Every chapter's like another adventure, so it's like a whole slew of games in yeah, that is that is actually an accurate description of the gameplay and how the game is structured. It's out of order. Uh, for example, your your sub cracks up on the rocks and you get stranded before you explore graveyards. But uh, yeah, it's just like I, I got like t- pretty far into the third chapter and then I was like, what the fuck are all these <laughs> skeletons and things coming after me? Yeah, yeah. So I, I should have mentioned the game takes the island we're specifically talking about. It's it takes place on a group of islands, but primarily an island called Sea Island, which is named so because it's shaped like the letter C. But I also think, uh, oddly enough, a lot of things are named after cola in the game. It's like, oh, yeah, well, like the, the islands are all like Coral Cola, Miracola. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. I wonder if C is actually just short for Cola Island. But um, when you mention gameplay, when I played that clip earlier, um, which we might here, let's listen to a little bit again. So what you hear there is is Mike, the main character, jumping. And so mm-hmm. um, I think that's one thing. So this game, a lot of people compared it to The Legend of Zelda. And that's, a, I think, a fair comparison when you go into the dungeons. The one difference it has is you can jump, which obviously Zelda didn't have a jump until much, much later. Um, and yeah. it seems like they go yeah. back and forth on that. But they really leaned into it because they rely on the jump for almost all of the puzzles in dungeons. Well, it's it's not just the jumping. It's that, like even more so than the original Zelda. This is a game that feels like it's very uh, tile based with ninety degree turns constantly. Oh, so like yeah. you you take one step to the the left or right, it is always the same amount. You move one tile. Uh, it, the the movement doesn't feel organic once you start to realize that. Like, and if you see like green tiles, it's like okay, you have to jump onto this, yeah. and then you have to jump between them. Like, there's it, there's no like walking between them. So a lot of the puzzles are jumping puzzles. It's like okay, jump on the right tile to uncover a hidden switch that then reveals another switch that you jump on, and 
but yeah. So, so, Michael, like, what you're reminding me of is, like, I played it for the first time, I don't know, like, maybe, like, nine years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was actually in preparation for, like, the first podcast I, I was ever on. Uh, it was, oh, like, wow. a play, like, a let's play of that, so I have, like, weird memories attached to it. So I was going into it, you know, kind of like you with, like, no, no, like, you know... Preconceptions? Nostalgic yeah, baggage. And, and so I, I went into it, and I was actually... I, I, I remember thinking it was really simple, but I remember also being, like impressed by how smooth the experience was there mm-hmm. was not like you said you got to like chapter three i like i don't know picking up an old nes game like if i was picked up zelda one right now i don't know that mm-hmm. game as well as the rest of the zeldas i would have a hard time progressing like in such a fluid way like how did it how did it go for you well i mean i i had to rely on save states and uh looking up maps and things online especially like in in chapter three like it starts to really mess with you and i think this is a game that loves to mess with the yeah. player but like there there's that one dungeon where it has all these false exits and if you take one of them it's like oh well now you have to start over yeah. but Ugh. most most of the time that kind of fuckery that it does is more positive and that like you will discover a shortcut that you could have taken like from the beginning it was always yeah. there yeah. but but uh, once you double back like okay now i know where it is i could go straight in there if i start a new playthrough i could go yeah. straight in there and like cut to the middle of this area if anything i think that 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 skull fuck that that that, how they fuck with you is one of the sure signs that it is an nes game not an snes game because yeah Mm -hmm. it's like how would anyone know to walk up and through this wall unless you just spent all day trying it out you know so it was very much like zelda in that way where zelda sometimes had like a little crack indicating hey put a bomb here uh and this game has that mm-hmm. sometimes too it's like oh there's like a little shadow yeah. right here but then most yeah, it's most of the time for the really good secrets it doesn't you just have to it's you just have to explore um and that to me mm-hmm. is, is like a surefire like that is is an nes era game kind of hallmark right there of yeah just yeah. you just you would I, never know about this until later or until you read a, a game fact while you're playing through it uh 30 years later well, pat it out with frustration. <laughs> I like that I have the opposite experience. Whereas uh, uh, you guys, I was too dumb to play Zelda and Final Fantasy and a bunch of other games that I thought were too complicated. I didn't understand what was going on. Star Tropics was the one I sat down and played, and I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say like I loved it, but like uh, no fac, played it off a cartridge, and then it got me into Zelda. <laughs> It, oh wow! It got me in. It got me into really? other RPG. Yeah, like wow. Uh, I don't know what it was. I'm not. I'm not defending its game design, but uh, something about sitting down and playing this game. It was at least funny and like uh, hmm. easy to follow. Yeah, it it had this unique personality um, for the time, uh, even to the point where I mean, Michael, you were mentioning some of the out of game stuff. I think if anything, one of the biggest pieces of this game's legacy is something that occurs outside the game, not inside the game, right. which I'm, of course, referring to. What we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago with map. Yeah, the the, the, in, map. the instruction manual uh, letter right, yeah. water trick, where at one point in the game, uh, all it tells you is, had dipped the letter in water and doesn't tell you what letter or anything. You know, you've, you've been in a game, you're collecting all these things in an inventory, and it's actually referring to the physical letter that ships as the instruction manual with the game and you have to you can still like just dip it in water and it it shows the second half of the letter that reveals some coordinates that you have to enter in to get to the next section of the game but they they are they they are static coordinates because i was playing this on a cartridge i bought used 
in like 1994. So I looked it up. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. It's it's the but, same number for everybody. Well, the, it's not like a, they're they're not going to reprint a different uh, hint for every copy of the game. <laughs> I assume they might, but I guess we're living in a post Metal Gear Solid world, so why would? Boy, you? that would be the ultimate uh, DRM, huh? Just like you have to but, have but, this manual to dip in water. So this this game is included in the NES Classic, right? Yeah. Well, the the fascinating thing is that they found a way to f- hide that letter in every digital version uh-huh. ever since. Yeah, it's it's if you load the digital version, there's a little icon of a bucket of water where if you click on it, it then reveals the rest of the letter for you. It it, it mm. simulates as if you had done this in real life, which I, I always think. Is yeah, a nice and like touch. on the Wii, the Wii Virtual Console version inside the digital manual is the code, yep. like a place where you and I would never venture for any reason. Uh, yep, and it's just so it's so clever. Yeah. yeah, and just think all those people who like. Bought it back in 1990 and never got around to playing it. Like, oh man, I can just play it digitally and I don't have to unmint my original manual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wonder how many of those are still intact. So this game is is I think one of those games when I think of a tropical island game, like it's straight up has it's called Star Tropics. Like the artwork on the cover, everything about it is tropical. Um, and what's odd though, except the aliens, except the aliens, and then the sequel. The sequel j- didn't even bother to, to maintain the premise. It went all around the world, but it did have a few callbacks, including a callback to that dungeon music we were listening to, where they they did a nice little update, and that was in the sequel, Azota's Revenge. So here is the remix mm-hmm. of the dungeon theme. But the reason I bring up the sequel is I just ever since that there hasn't been another game in the series. And I just think it's odd for a game that Nintendo Power at one point was calling one of the top 100 games of all time. It only got Mm. one sequel. That is a little strange. And I I just wanted to say, like, if you need evidence of how non-tropical Zoda's Revenge Star Tropics 2 is, uh, Mike is wearing a jacket in most of it. Sacrilege. (laughs) It's it's also very time-traveling. Like, I I will forever have burned into my head a screenshot of Leonardo da Vinci looking like he does in his self-portrait saying, like, oh, yeah, some alien guy attacked me. His name was uh, Soda. (laughs) (laughs) I have to assume that's how it would have sounded. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, it is one of those games that I do think maybe part of the reason it didn't continue to get sequels is it was ahead of its time. Although I, I don't know. Does anyone remember was this game a huge seller or hugely popular? Like I, I do definitely remember seeing it on shelves all the time. No, but, but it, it was, uh, it was, it had a big marketing campaign, like I think even bigger than some of the Mario games, just because Nintendo was finally like, oh, we should advertise our game more. And if I'm not mistaken, it was was it given away with Nintendo Power, the first game? At some no, point? No, that was Dragon Warrior. No, no, no. I know about Dragon Warrior, but I'm pretty sure either you were given a copy of Star Tropics or you were given a guide to Star Tropics. So if you're a little kid in a game, a world with very few games, and you're given a full guide to a game, you might eventually go buy that game. Hmm. But it was given, in, in my opinion, I remember this being pushed very, very hard by Nintendo first party. Yeah, yeah, I think there, there was a, a Star Tropics Nintendo Power guide, and, and yeah, Nintendo did really, really push it in Nintendo Power. Most of what I know about this game comes from reading Nintendo Power as a kid. Yeah, but it, that's that's what's even weirder, is it's, it was a Nintendo published game, and so typically those mm-hmm. would get 
those would continue. But I, I, I just want to know why this one stopped. Like sometimes Nintendo does make these decisions to just stop making their own franchises. And other than sales, I can't explain why they would do so here. Yeah, that's fascinating. I actually didn't know. I didn't realize until just now, yeah, that it was made, you know, published and developed by Nintendo because it always seemed like just kind of slightly outside right. what I I come to know from Nintendo. But it is weird because they're so good about their call, like even like their callbacks to previous games and stuff. And like, is there any Star Tropics representation like in in Smash Brothers, like an assist trophy somewhere or a yo-yo or something or is it just kind of gone? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know of any other references uh, made to this game because it, 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 it deserves it. it I, I thought it was really good, including the sequel. I thought the yeah. sequel's good, too. I, I think it is regarded as a game that's beloved by fans but, like, strangely disregarded by its creators, and we don't it, it, it really always, know why. It always felt very Western, though, like a very yeah. – uh, and I know it's not developed here, but, it, like, with dumb Americans in mind, that's what I feel like it was developed as, and maybe that's why. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It could be. That's a good point. Way. Uh, here's a game that was definitely developed with dumb Americans in mind and was developed by dumb but hilarious Americans with our... Number two. It takes it takes a while to get there, but I really I yeah, needed yeah. that full build up. It eventually does. <laughs> it, well, but it's it's it. The payoff is I think worth it. So, um, anyone know what that theme was from? I'm surprised you didn't go with something more like I'm Guybrush Threepwood, Mighty Pirate. Oh, I'm Guybrush Threepwood, Mighty Pirate. Yada yada yada. Boy, am I getting tired of saying this. There, there it is. Um, so Guybrush Threepwood, who is the star of the series Monkey Island. And so the islands there are what's known as the Tri-Island area, a playoff of Tri-State area. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the Tri-Island area is a fictional um, archipelago in the Caribbean. Uh, all of the islands there have very piratey names. So there's Monkey Island, which is the namesake. Then we have Melee Island, Booty Island, Plunder Island, uh, Jambalaya Island, Scab Island, Hook Island, Skull Island. Oh! the islands. Uh, there's even Jerkbait Island, which sounds remarkably dirty for some reason. Um, yeah, the Isle of You and the and of course the, the Rock of Gelato. So that's a very misleading name, Tri-Island Area. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot more than three. I, th- I think it's maybe three groups of islands. I don't know. But they're all very mm. piratey. And the reason I put this game on, on the list is this is one of those series that there's no more Caribbean video game, in my opinion. Maybe Assassin's Creed 4, which takes place a lot there. Mm-hmm. But when I think of, like, tropical islands, I immediately start thinking of um, themes from Monkey Island. I think of insult sword fighting, mostly. Ah, insult sword fighting. It is funny you mention that. You big old bedwetting duty head. <laughs> so, Michael, do you want to explain what insult fight sword fighting was? I don't yeah, want to hear I- any more clips from fucking Hook. I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you rude dude, piece of chewed food dude. Uh, so yeah, insult sword fighting is, it's basically, uh, just coming up with, I think, if I remember right, uh, an appropriate insult for the insult that someone just dealt you. So, um, 
I, I don't know. Can you, I'm, I'm blanking on examples right now. So the game was designed um, by Ron Gilbert and Tim Schafer, uh, amongst yeah. others. Using the scum using system. Using the scum system. And, and one of the core tenets of the design was they were really tired of the Sierra Online type adventure games of the time that you could get stuck or you could die very easily. Like those games almost seem to take delight in punishing you. And so rather than for the games fighting have like a reflex base, like, you know, oh yeah, that's real sword fighting. They thought it would be funnier um, and easier on people if they had a system where all you had to do was come up with the right quip and return it. So the way the system works is is someone will insult you and you have to come with the perfect comeback. So there's a list of comebacks. And um, actually early on in the game, you might you may or may not have the right comeback. So sometimes you actually are purposely supposed to fail a sword fight so that you can come back. You, you have to go fight someone else who will then kind of give you that insult as a retort. You will learn that insult and then go try it on the other guy. And that's how you can progress through certain sword fights. Ah. Did, did, did the original release also have full voice acting? I believe the way it was. So the, the original was text and then there was like a, uh, a CD version of the original that had voice acting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I my I asked because my experience initially was with the special edition, and I loved the way the touch with those the insult sword fighting is like. If you had the wrong insult, it was just this really tepid like delivery. You're like, I know this joke's not gonna land yeah. type yeah. thing. Yeah. But then yeah. when you did get it, there was this extra level of like, yeah, fuck you, buddy. That, that adds a great deal. Uh, the, the one that I was trying to think of, like I knew it had something to do with a cow. Uh, this this actually like found its way into Scott Pilgrim, but the insult is you fight like a dairy farmer, and you're supposed to come back with how appropriate you fight like a cow. <laughs> so the the whole insult thing, though, I was mentioning the design and the inspiration for this game um, was it was a lot of things like Pirates of the Caribbean, and then old like swashbuckling movies like starring Errol Flynn, things like Captain Blood, and those movies. Oftentimes, the characters, while they were sword fighting, they would kind of quip at one another. And so it, it wasn't a thing that, you know, it was it was something that was kind of known in pop culture. In fact, here's probably one of, I think, for our generation, the most famous examples of this. You are wonderful. Thank you. I've worked hard to become so. I admit it, you are better than I am. Then why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't know. And what is that? I am not offended. So, of course, the famous sword fighting scene from The Princess Bride, which is is sort of mm-hmm. nothing if not just a collection of different pop culture tropes in movie form. Ah, yes. I think one thing that, that sticks out to me from this one, like, I think that you nailed, like, what one of the biggest moments are for me, but, like, the... Later in the game was, I think it was Stan's previously owned vessels and just, like, confronted with, like, this used car salesman personality but that's trying to, like, you need a boat. And his animation was so wild. Like, I don't know if you remember him, mm. but he, the way he would, like, gesticulate and move his hands is, like, this sort of weird, like, you know, um, snake oil salesman type. But, like, the plaid, he would move and the plaid on his jacket would not yes. move. It would always be, like, <laughs> the same perspective. Uh, it was a trip, but, like, that was just, I don't know, one of the things that stuck with me. Yeah, I, I absolutely have yeah. a vivid memory of that. And yeah, it was always so, that was mm-hmm. like very video gamey, but at the same time, maybe sort of charming. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so we, we, I played a clip earlier from the game soundtrack in, and so Tim, we were talking about the CD version. That was, I think, one of the things for the time, um, that was just really kind of like, 
one of the most advanced things about this game was this soundtrack and and this really Caribbean themed um, in, you know inspired soundtrack to the point that like every character sort of has a theme and and the, the series has been around so long that each theme is is kind of almost famous now where every time that character appears on screen like you know so if I played you something like this. which sounds like something out of Disney's Haunted Mansion, but that's actually, <laughs> that appears, uh, yeah, that is this, a variation of this theme. So very scar very very drunk Jesus. Ah, hmm. So that 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 was LeChuck's nice. theme, and LeChuck is is of course the main baddie in the series. So he, um, I think he starts out human, and then by the future games, he he comes back as like a ghost pirate, the ghost pirate LeChuck. I I think in the first game he's the ghost oh, pirate, okay. and then he's like the zombie pirate, then the demon pirate. Okay. Uh, yeah, then then he's a ghost pirate again, and then I think he. Uh, he comes back as human in the Telltale series. He, he gets re- resurrected okay. somehow. It's sort of a Barbosa thing. That's what I'm remembering. Yeah, so you, you bring up Telltale. That's a great opportunity uh, to mention. So this game, the original game, was uh, came out in 1990. And then the sequel came shortly thereafter. LeChuck's Revenge was 91. Uh, the Curse of Monkey Island was 97. And then Escape from Monkey Island uh, was the year 2000. The series took a huge break all the way till 2009 with the Tales of Monkey Island series, which was published by Telltale, because all the games prior to that were, it was the LucasArts crew. And like we mentioned before, this was one of the, I would say one of the signature scum engine games. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Is it the first game that has that puzzle that totally like played off of the, you know, broken uh, adventure game logic that you can like put anything in your pocket where um, Guybrush is like I don't know basically thrown into like the bottom of the ocean with like I don't, if it's a ball and chain or like a rock tied around his ankle and like the solution is like you try to figure it out you only have so much time to you know 10 minutes to breathe he is, he's an expert like at holding his breath or something but the solution is to pick up the thing weighing you down and put it in your pocket and that's how you get oh, out of that yeah, in video, <laughs> in video game logic you can carry anything in your pocket yeah i loved that so yeah, much and you mentioned so guybrush threepwood i mean the tale that the, the games are all about he's this like hapless hero who always just seems sort of like he doesn't really belong there as a pirate, even though he gets a little bit kind of more heroic and courageous as the games go on. But one of Guybrush's only like talents and skills is he can hold his breath for 10 minutes. And no one ever seems impressed by that. Although like that means he could start a Mission Impossible film at this point. Um, But (laughs) but yeah, they always like you think about in a pirate game, that would actually be like a really important skill that that someone a pirate every pirate should want is to hold your breath for 10 minutes yeah i I have a bit of a confession to make the very first game in this series that i played was actually escape from monkey island the ps2 one because uh lucasarts was pretty bad about porting games to mac for a long time and through my teenage years i was a mac gamer so uh i was i was actually like more in the sierra camp from that era because they brought all their games over how dare you you big old bedwetting duty head. <laughs> Mike, Michael, I was I was with you on that. I came late to some of the like to Monk Island and stuff. And yeah. I grew up on King's Quest and stuff. And I, I mean, having played both now, I, I can say like, yes, Monkey Island is a way better game than like King's Quest Five. No contest, but 
for for a while, that that was my understanding of adventure games. These great point and clickers. And that was that's I mean that was the impressive thing you mentioned it before is that I loved uh, King's Quest, but like yeah, it's like oh, okay, well I'm on the mountain and I I guess I ate my pie so I didn't starve and now yep. I can't throw it at the Yeti coming mm-hmm. at me and now I'm locked into this fail state. And the way that the LucasArts games were were designed was like so smart. They never had a fail state. No, you never had to worry about that. It was just your own logic. Yeah. I checked. It was it was actually Monk Island Two was the uh, I think the 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 hold your breath kind of puzzle but still uh ah. you know tropical but yeah i mean like even from maniac mansion which i think was like the first uh scum game like there there wasn't really any sort of fail state like you could die but it was like so esoteric like you had to microwave radioactive water uh and and breathe it in like you know most of the time you just get like stuck in a dungeon and figure out a way out but yeah i think these games they were hugely important, and actually, I would even say, yeah, the the Telltale follow up probably was one of the kind of main revivals of the adventure game genre. In addition to things like, I mean, I know it was a few years before, but you know, like Walking Dead was the next big one that really kind of moved Telltale forward. But this, the the Tales from Monkey Island, was I think maybe I'm misremembering, but wasn't this one of Telltale's first big successes? Yeah, yeah, it was back when they were still doing like Sam and Max and Strong Bad's cool game for or what is it? Attractive awesome game people. for oh, cool game for attractive people. Yes, thank and you. And abandoning Bone. Oh. Yeah, well, Bone lasted two episodes. Oh, can you even imagine? <laughs> it's really I love Bone. Did they have Back to the Future back then? Yes, uh, they may have. Yeah, that yeah. was one of so like Telltale. I I think very clearly has this split of this model of sort of traditional adventure game, which is puzzle solving and putting things in your inventory, combining things to progress in the game. Uh, And all of those games we just mentioned fall under that. And then there was sort of the changeover with Walking Dead where it was a lot less of, I I hate to say it, but a lot lot less actual gameplay and more just interactive storytelling, uh, which actually proved to be hugely successful for them. And so they really haven't looked back since. Like most of their games now stick with more hey we're just gonna tell a story that you're riding along for yeah mm-hmm. but these games were like very traditional adventure game where it's like here's this puzzle you have to go i don't know collect this bird poop over here and combine it with this uh this certain chemical compound to create an explosive device on a door and get through and just like the most random things that you would never think to combine or or do to progress in the story yeah but it rewards experimentation. Yes, it does. Well, and that—that's really what makes these games. Special. Or really, what it rewards is I'm going to click on this thing in my inventory and click on every other thing in my inventory until I hear the confirmation that something happened. Like I said, experimentation. <laughs> experimentation. <laughs> All right. I, th- I think we've said enough about Monkey Island, so let's go out uh, here, play us off here. You've been a wonderful audience. Thank you, and good night. Ah, uh, which is a perfect transition to our. Is that enough for oh. you guys to get it? I if if yeah, I can just keep I can going. give okay fine yeah. I will. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I, it's I, I, sorry guys I gotta go I have to listen to the entire Mario Sunshine <laughs> that, soundtrack. That music is so <laughs> tropical <laughs> yet it's the most Italian music that has ever been in a Mario game. <laughs> for real, that's true. Like, and the reason I had to cut that second song off. Um, Whoever, I, I do have to give a special F you to whoever out there, there are a bunch of trolls on YouTube that have created 
endless looping videos. So that was the Delfino Plaza uh, music, which well, I'll say what the game is next. But they've created it so it just does that beat over and over and never has the resolution where it kicks into the main melody. It, it is enough to drive you insane. Just listening to it for like 20 <laughs> seconds, I was like, okay, fine. Like it, it yeah, it, it was bad. But of course that, all of those sounds were from. Super Mario Sunshine, our number one tropical game on this list. The first game where Mario mutilates a giant squid. <laughs> That's true. That's true. There were actually <laughs> several firsts in this game. Um, can you give me maybe another? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, not a first. It's a second in this game. I'll, I'll do one better. I'll give you an only. This is the only time Mario's ever been arrested. Interesting. That I know of. I mean, maybe, you know, I haven't played all the Paper Mario games in the RPGs. Maybe something He's been happened arrested in a lot. That I'm then, not if aware you factor of. that it's, in. It's Have the they? first time you could. I stand uh... corrected. Reverse wiki parties. <laughs> but it's the uh, second open world Mario game. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's the, this is the first time you can ride Yoshi in 3D count. Is that a, uh, is that a qualifier? It, that is a first. That's a great guess. Um, and of course, Tim, yes, it's it's the first game not only that you can ride Yoshi in 3D, but it's the first and only game that I'm aware of where Yoshi can spit fruit juice on things to defeat enemies, and it sounds something like this. <laughs> how do you make vomiting that cute? I don't understand how that works. Yeah, it's... You make Yoshi do it. So does he yeah. just like stand in for flood then? Uh, well, no, I mean, it's, it's, I think that's like Yoshi's version of like a Jurassic Golden Shower. Um, but no, that Ew. what I was going for the second game, this is the second Mario game to ever feature voice acting. This was the, other than, uh, other yeah. than Hotel Mario, uh, this was the first time we'd ever heard our characters sound like this. Device. Is it some sort of pump? I am flood, glad to meet you. Hey, I'm coming. Oh, it's all worth it. I mean, all worth it. I think the the note in Super Mario sixty four was narrated, so that was actually the first time but, we heard them speak complete sentences. I will, I will agree that, like, yeah, well, there, I think there was a little, yeah, voice acting in Mario sixty four, like that whole pre-rendered cutscene, like the whole vibe of that and the voice acting is like totally inconsistent with like the rest of Mario Sunshine in my opinion. I still love it, but it just feels a little off in kind of a charming way. Yeah, it absolutely does feel off and and it I just it sticks out in my memory to this day like when I first heard Princess speak, I was like, "What that is wait, what? Like what who no, she doesn't sound like that. But then the one that I heard speak that did sound sort of like I remember, I think as a, as a result, result of the, uh, Super Mario Bros. cartoon, Super Show, uh, was this guy. What's this icky paint like goop? It's moving! Now, now, boys, don't touch that stuff! <laughs> so that was Toad, <laughs> which I almost wonder, did they make Toad have that annoying Toad voice because of the cartoon? Like they felt forced, like, okay, this is how people are used to him sounding. Did he- did he have that voice in the cartoon? I don't even remember. I, yes, I, I, I. Oh no, huh, he's even worse in the, car- than the cartoon. Yeah, oh, it was way worse. Right? I hope I get my Christmas wish. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Michael, you you mentioned you 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 looked ahead and mentioned another character that was a first for the series and probably an only for the series. Yeah. Power up complete. 
Thank you for purchasing this item from Gab Science Incorporated. Preparing to register customer information, scanning and classifying subject data. Subject identified as Mario, resident of the Mushroom Kingdom. Data storage complete. I am Flood, a flash liquidizer ultra dousing device. I hope to be of assistance. I'm I'm really glad they gave us the uh, the full uh, spelled out what what flood stands for. So Michael, just mm-hmm, very yeah, off the top of your mem- off the top of your head, remember what it was. The no. fl- <laughs> the flash liquidizer ultra dowsing device. Um, no flood. Right. So yes. this was the first game to feature a kind of a gimmick that Mario the entire time had a thing to help him out uh, through all of his platforming. Man, I thought I thought that was so smart at the time. I, I thought it worked out really well gameplay wise. I had no qualms with it. Like the the sort of connection to Luigi's Mansion, I thought was really cute mm-hmm. too. But but above that, like it's a tropical game, and so you remember playing Mario sixty four, and there was this sort of sense of relief and replenishment anytime you would find water because you knew that you could like jump in and get your hearts back because of the way that sort of the health system worked in that game, and it felt like an extension of like having water be this sort of. I don't know, like, re- piece of respite uh, in the game, like, always happy to restore, like, the booster pack and stuff. Like, I, I, I'm i a vehement defender of the Flood system. Hmm. What did you guys no, think? I, I, I think I, I think the game is unnecessarily maligned. We played it recently on a stream. I think I could nuke an entire three years of games above, like, <laughs> after this and before this. And, like, this game is your least favorite Mario game, but it's, like, the best game of, like, six years. <laughs> And it's, yeah, the, I, I I know that it gets a lot of shade now, but I remember really when it came out, like, everyone was going fucking apeshit for this game. Like, everyone loved it, everyone was playing it, everyone was talking about it constantly. Like, Shine Get became an early meme. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, you mean this? Guys, I think I just had a Pavlovian response. Like, right. Honestly, like, <laughs> Rub your seal balloons. I love, I love that sound. No, but, but Tim, I think you're right. Like, so I loved, I loved using Flood like and it was cool to, to have this thing that you could like float around. Remember, like Flood could, if you missed a jump, I think, I think what they were trying, yes. my guess is what they're going for is Super Mario 64, even though it was the best at the time, you know, people were still fighting with the camera. And 3D, 3D controls and a platformer are a thing that, that took forever for people to figure out. And maybe they still don't have it quite figured out. So what Flood let you do is you could fudge jumps, right? You could get close enough and then kick in Flood to kind of hover over. Um, but I think they realized that. And I think they realized there was something in the game for the hardcores. Uh, and you guys might want to cover your ears because this might give you a panic attack. <laughs> That is like the most pleasant panic attack sound. But anyone who played Super Mario Sunshine knows that sound signals a secret course where they would remove Flood from you and say, okay, wise ass, you're going to make fun of this. Now try to beat a level without it. And they were some of the most challenging segments in any Mario game that I think probably any of us have ever played. Yeah. And like, and I think this started that like weird, what would you call it? Uh, Micro slice of like. Yeah, we're going to take all your powers away, do this without anything that you know of. They, they, they do it at the end of Mario Galaxy, where, like, you can't use your hat. 
and like you right. realize, oh, I'm oh, totally yeah. powerless here. <laughs> I have no idea how to play a Mario game anymore without this new uh, <laughs> this new mechanic. Um, yeah. yeah, I think. Uh, Something else that worked out really well with it was like you, yeah, for people that maybe were like wrestling with with controls and didn't like master 3D uh, platforming at that time, like it helped them sort of uh, shave off some of the like the the sharper edges. But it also like the way I played Mario Sunshine was I was just an idiot and I went for these super <laughs> ambitious jumps. Like I would do like the that sort of dolphin skipping thing and like you know just get just launch and like totally blow it. But then you could just back up with the uh, with the sort of you know hover part of of flood and and recover and not have to start. All the way over and it like I don't know it it totally elevated the game for me um, in a different way from the other three yeah. Mario I, I don't I to be honest I don't know why people now look back and say this was a bad Mario game like I, I I've heard a lot of people say that in recent years it seems to kind of like they I don't know I feel like they're glossing over at the time your cup runs over with good this. Mario shit you should be begging for a remaster of this right now this game's I, great that's, this game really this game good. is I mean it's not perfect there are some annoyances so like I didn't like how you had to choose which shine you were going for before you went into each level because that would actually sometimes affect the layout of the level or, or maybe kind of how That's you right. could approach it. I mean, but Unlike, 64, had that 64. 64 had that too. Uh, I thought in 64 there were a few stars you could just get no matter how There you are some, but like if you're not playing the level where the cannons open, you can't get the coins for the coins, the coin star. Like it. <laughs> I think it was it was a little more dramatic in, in Sunshine, but I think you're both you're both right. At least from I mean, my to, memory. Like, that's such a minor quibble, though, right? It's like okay, fine. So you had to choose the one. Like some people might actually like that. They might like you know, like to focus their experience. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I thought Flood was cool. Yeah, he was a little cheesy and annoying, and we heard with the voice acting there, it was a little silly. But like, no, dude, this was terrible. like a really good it's, Mario game, and the setting was fantastic. It's really good. And there's a reason yeah. why people lose their mind when, when like, Isle Delfino becomes a, a smash level because it's fucking awesome. It's a great setting. Yeah. And cleaning up the graffiti was oddly cathartic, too. It really, it really was. Like, I, I, I finally connected the dots that, like, there's a game called Viscera Cleanup Detail that <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I got really enamored with for a while. And you're just, like, basically the janitor that cleans up after whatever, you know, gun demon battle with, with mm. guns and doom happens and there's just you're just cleaning up and I it realized that it was triggering like these memories from just cleaning up in Mario Sunshine you're you know you're a little more thorough than you even need to be um, but man yeah you're totally right it does it does need a remaster and I think I've wanted to replay it but I in the back of my head I like I'm holding out for this uh, yeah, it's out. you know that actually the cleanup is something that I forgot yeah how good that feels but if anything I remember at the time thinking like this feels like the only sort of tech demo-y part of this game because it, it was like a new yeah. tech that not, not no game that I can think of had done that thing of hey we're going to take this water and clean off an element which which seemed really advanced and and the whole premise the setup of the game is Mario and, and uh, Princess Peach are vacationing and uh, this guy Shadow Mario is is play, putting graffiti all over the island so yeah Michael you mentioned Mario gets arrested to start the game and he basically mm-hmm. has to go clean up after Shadow Mario who we ultimately discover is Bowser Jr. and the less we say about Bowser Jr. the better. I'm literally going to skip over it because no, thank you. He's the scrappy do of Mario. No, he he's like the seventh young Bowser. Like, how can you say that? <laughs> but uh, the reason this Eighth game is number Bowser. one on the list is everything about this game is tropical. So there are like literally there's levels where you ride like a giant manta ray. 
there, there's palm trees everywhere. It's instead of being, um, in Mushroom Kingdom, you are in this special place where even like the NPCs are this new race that you've never seen before in a Mario game, or at least maybe it was in like Hotel Mario or some like other game that I didn't play. But, um, yeah, everything was new and different and just like really cool and fun looking. Yeah. And it, it was, it was, you know, I appreciated what I, what I appreciated about Mario 64 was like that there was light theming in levels sometimes, but otherwise it was just this sort of abstract, th- like 3D environment just didn't really look like anything sometimes. It was just fun video game levels. Whereas Sunshine tried to rein it in, theme everything and make all these areas seem like, oh, this one's the theme park and this yeah. is, you know, the beachside place or here. This is like a construction site. And I felt like that really added something to me for me. It really helped solidify besides just the water physics, like the jump to the next generation. Yeah. yeah. Well, the one thing I do remember is um, I think this, so this was GameCube generation. This was the generation of like lens flare. I just, and the game is called Sunshine, so it's not a surprise, but I just remember there was so much lens flare and like sun, like literally bright light shining in your eyes at all times in this game. It was Super Mario lens flare! (laughs) And actually, one of the coolest things is, and, and you didn't notice it until later in the game, as you collected shines, do you guys remember like Delfino Plaza would actually get brighter over time? Would it? I mean, there was some like shadows over the island to initially, um, and you're chasing around Shadow Mario the entire time. So there's an interesting sort of like, I don't know, theme there. I feel like this game also like strengthened uh, a weird connection that the Mario series has to Popeye. Like, I, I feel like the the Mario Princess Peach uh, Bowser dynamic is very similar to to Popeye, Bluto, and uh, Olive Oil, not in the same order, obviously. Ooh, I love but, it. Uh, uh, a sexless and, relationship and I, I with think, a strong man and a skinny lady. Yeah, but also, like, Donkey Kong, mm-hmm. I think, was originally imagined as a Popeye game, which Miyamoto really wanted to do and didn't get to do until a little bit later. But uh, I think if you look at the the citizens of Isla Delfino, they like look like a weird cross between the goons from Popeye and like palm trees. They've just got those like strange Kilroy was here kind of noses. Michael, and there's something vaguely upsetting about know them. that I love you, and I'm the only one who knows what you're talking about. <laughs> I know. I'm hoping someone out there will. <laughs> yeah. So, but. Yeah. I was mentioning everything in this game is very tropical. They added this nice theme, including this sound, which is the perfect way to wrap up our top five. There's so many layers. There's so, <laughs> There's so many layers. That's. I, I will say to wrap it up, I would uh, throw Smash Brothers Melee into a fire uh, to get a remaster of... <laughs> Super Mario Sunshine. It's easy to say with Ultimate coming out. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of surprised. Like I for some reason I thought Sunshine had gotten like a retro re-release on Wii U, and no, it's never been off GameCube. No, no it's never been off GameCube. Could you play? You could play GameCube games on the Wii though. Yeah. So they sold that game but, for like I would say an extra four years uh, because of the Wii's backwards compatibility. Um, I'm I'm actually surprised it never got a Wii overhaul because like that wand would right. be perfect for like aiming because flood. Like, That's true. like when you talk about the tech demo nature of flood, like spraying shit, sure. But double jumping and water jumping, like that's amazing. Like it's a it's an amazing addition to a Mario game. It's a great mechanic. 
Yeah, absolutely. And as a, this game, mm. I think, rightly deserves our place on the top five as number one. Um, real quickly, and then we'll, we'll take a break, but I just want to have some honorable mentions. So I think, Tim, maybe you thought we might include a couple entries on this list because we know you're, you're one of the main Pokemon fans here. And so um, some of those fans might notice the omission of Alola Island from Pokemon Sun and Moon. Alola, I think my understanding is it's just directly inspired by Hawaii uh, and the Pokemon actually in Pokemon Sun and Moon kind of get tropical evolutions, right? It's all like tropical versions of the of those uh, Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. No, from what I – so I, I remember I played through a good chunk of Sun and Moon. Um, my, my girlfriend got Sun. I went with Moon, which was really odd because like, yeah, it, it's a tropical yeah. setting. But then you have like this overcast, you know, darker aesthetic the entire time. So it was like it, – it's a incredible – how different the vibe uh was with that part of it um but yeah i mean you know you're, you're talking about like board shorts and flip-flops on your poker trainers that you're battling <laughs> and, and what have you but yeah um if i'm if i'm remembering right it was uh was it executor that got um a, a crazy like uh, yeah there was these tropical renditions where it would just be like you know uh leaning into the palm tree aesthetic of him and and you know mm. uh a, a tropical like extended neck that was just comically yeah, long that's, um, that's the one yeah, yeah. then so another entry that i think we all uh, immediately thought of when we we're talking about this but didn't qualify because the uh, that rule i had it has to be entirely tropical is the some of the islands in zelda a legend of zelda wind waker uh, are very tropical feeling but the reason i didn't include that here is not all of them like i i feel like wind waker almost has more of a mediterranean vibe than like a purely tropical vibe yeah, yeah, parts of it. I mean, I think when you start out, it, it definitely feels very tropical. But yeah, I see yeah, where you're going. Yeah. I, I think I think that Wind Waker ultimately ends up just feeling like a flooded Zelda world, yeah. rather yeah. than like you it, know, it feels oceanic more yeah, than true, anything. True. Yeah, I mean, one of the islands, like I don't think we were even Michael and I were talking. We weren't really aware it was supposed to be an island. Is is uh, Donkey Kong Island from the Donkey Kong Country series? Yeah. That was I like a, was definitely a tropical climate. But it almost could easily be mainland. There's nothing like, oh, yeah, that's specifically an island. Yeah. Like, there are snowy parts. There are just, like, forest parts. Which, to yeah. be fair, the big island of Hawaii has all that, too. But, yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd have to pick a Donkey Kong... You'd have to pick a Donkey Kong Mario Kart level for that to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I, I want to add one thing about uh, Mario Sunshine that I just now discovered. Please. That... Uh, so I, I didn't realize the, the denizens of Isla Delfino are called uh, the Pianta. And if you look up Mario Pianta, you not only find a bunch of pictures of these characters, but you also find out there is an economist named Mario That's Pianta. Who, yeah, it's, it's, so it's just like cartoon characters, then like this serious looking guy in glasses, then a bunch more cartoon characters. So the, the original, I mean, that could be the original Mario who at the time was the landlord. He's now wealthy enough where he's just an economist. Like, for all we know, yes. <laughs> uh, so some other quick mention <laughs> islands. The Crash Bandicoot series is obviously very tropical. Uh, the Tropico series, hello, it takes place on a tropical island. Mm -hmm. uh, Yoshi's Island, I guess, technically classifies. And then one that, Michael, you said was Tropical Island only in name was Hudson's Adventure Island. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really more tropical-themed uh, Mario ripoff, yeah. at least the first one. <laughs> Which I love. Uh, I, I never played the sequels. I've the, heard well, the first one the for the sequels. home versions was actually a uh, ripoff off of what well, was it was a reskin of sega uh, uh wonder boy yep it was by the same developers and i think that that 
Adventure Island was the NES version, yeah. and Wonder Boy was the other version. So that that's been our segment where we cover our ass and mention things so yeah. you guys don't yell at us. And and speaking of ass covering, the big one that I forgot in the first segment was Assassin's Creed Four, which you mentioned, but which is extremely trivial. So I can't believe I, was, I didn't. It was bring actually that on up. that master list I had, and the only reason I didn't include it is because it. It was, it's several islands. Like it's, it's all the Caribbean, which I guess, you know, Monkey mm-hmm. Island. I, I had to choose between that and Monkey Island if I was going with my Caribbean entry and I went Monkey Island. Well, if we really want to ask cover with this one, we can say, well, A, we, we all already had a Ubisoft game and a pirate game and B, uh, a large part of that game is not set in the tropics. It is set in an office. <laughs> so, That's true. uh, make of that what That's you true. will. So I, I would also be remiss not to give a shout out to Angel Island uh, from Sonic Three. Yeah. Uh, like, so y- you start out in Angel Island Zone, and it's the very tropical robot monkeys throwing coconuts, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, this, it's a it, it's a plant. It's basically tropical, but then there's the rest of the, the game is you know all sorts of different Sonic stages, so it doesn't feel consistently ah, tropical yes. throughout. But worth a mention, especially with Sonic Mania Plus uh, coming out recently and having a uh, uh, a throwback to Angel Island Zone was a lot and of fun. And I was going to give a shout out to Den Island. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We talked about that <laughs> yeah. one, too. An entire game with zombies based on a tropical island. What was that game. that game that it was the intro song? The who do you voodoo, bitch? Whatever who do it was. You voodoo, I don't bitch. know. You're right. <laughs> were, were you in that one, Michael? Uh, ba- ba- Baron Baron Semity, or it was some sort of like play on Baron Semity. Uh, yeah, the yeah, DJ. yeah. Wow, man, that uh, game was fun. That game was really fun. Like, was. Great, great uh, reveal trailer, and then great game. Great, both great game, for entirely different. And reasons. the worst story and the worst characters I've ever encountered in my entire life. <laughs> uh, so, you know what my favorite thing to do in Dead Island was? Like you'd you'd run into these like hugely tough bosses every so often, and so uh, but you could throw your weapons and then retrieve them out of their bodies. So I would like literally throw every weapon in my inventory at this boss, and they were slow enough that you could just run up and grab them all out and then do it over again repeatedly. It, it didn't feel like cheesing because like there's an element of risk there. Totally. I, yeah. I also I also want to note just I know that the the rapper from Dead Island's name was Sam B. It was Sam oh, yeah. B. Uh, like, so like I think like, yeah, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, no. yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that's <laughs> been our top five. Why don't we take a break and come back with our final segment? Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. So I went from having sort of never been on a date in my life to going on two dates that both went well in a ser- in less than a week. I feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> I feel like a total piece of shit. One, we we've been having a great time. It didn't it didn't escalate into a full on fuck session, uh, but it but but it escalated from the app into phone into texting into like fucking phone calls. I was doing a lot of driving. Phone calls. Fucking phone calls. And then she's like, "I know this sounds weird, but like I have a wedding go to. You want to go? You think that's weird to ask? Yeah. But I mean, I, people I, need dates for weddings all the time. But." Wedding is kind of like a high stakes hangout. Like, sure. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I think if you whose wedding is it? 
didn't ask. <laughs> didn't okay, make it matter. Okay, because here's the thing. Is what that, if it's like... the mayor's? I'd have to go. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord uh, mayor's to be wed. <laughs> I want to be a mover and shaker in this town about that. <laughs> Rob elbows with the goddamn mayor. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And we're back for our wonderful and talented final segment where we will talk about our question of the week. Uh, Tim, you weren't here last week. The question was, of course, what is your favorite video game shark? That's an awesome uh, question. It, do you, do you have one that springs to mind? Um, man, you know what? Like, not, not initially. Was there a shark in Toe Jam and Earl that would, uh, hmm sneak under the water or that might have been the boogeyman i'd have to think about it but hmm. thankfully i think i have a whole section to think about mine um, yeah well you can you can break in with it at any time uh but the first responder on videogameapocalypse.com in the comments was uh reese egner triskitable who says zamtrios from monster hunter because it's a bitchin ice shark who can swim through ice to attack you i'm, I'm doing all the bits he emphasized <laughs> that and it's a shark with four legs making one of the few video game sharks who you can face down on equal terms and still get your ass kicked by because it's a bitchin ice shark zamatros is awesome or zamtrios is i i love that fight because uh also just like bizarrely yeah totally turns into this weird balloon that like blows out wind uh it's just that that monster hunter thing where it's just like a uh, fighting a shark on land would be weird enough but then it has all these different uh mm -hmm. layers to it yeah that's a great a great one sounds creepy bitchin ice sharks uh, my Little Ponfar says, Since I'm a massive wuss, I've always been super scared of sharks in Vigi games and can't really talk about a favorite. Favorite with a U. Uh, instead, I'll add my memorable encounters. The shark in Tomb Raider 2 that chases you in the underwater part where you're stripped of your gear. I wasted no time in effing up that bad boy once I picked up the harpoon. Uh, ditto. Resident Evil's Neptune, which was, I think, our number two or one. Mm -hmm. Number, number one, one, thank you. And, and the Dreamcast. Number, number one. one. Yeah, uh, and the Dreamcast Echo Great White, who was also on our list. Honorable mention, mm -hmm. must go to the shark that chases you in NES Snake Rattle and Roll on the NES slash Mega Drive as soon as you, um, hit water. And the Jaws theme strikes up and introduces Insta Panic. Yes, I believe that's known as a border patrol that's shark. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to build a shark wall, a wall completely made of sharks, and the sharks, the Gross. dolphin, are going to pay for it. Poor uh, sharks and dolphins. Um, the Yeah, Neptune is a great great one. That reminds me mm -hmm. of, uh, I think my answer is probably Snacky the Shark from Banjo Kazooie. Ah. I didn't see it in any of these, but uh, great music that plays in like... Uh, also, yeah. a tropical island level uh, in Banjo Kazooie, just to bring it home. So that's yes. true. Yeah, and the theme uh, I think I'm, I'm it got burned into my memory. It's it's not quite the Jaws theme. It's dun 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 dun. It's it's more like the lead into Powerhouse as we talked about last week. Michael, I was hoping you would continue, and I would just do the the horn. Now, best slash worst slash best again says the fucking lurker shark. From the first Jack and Daxter, it's a great example of a shark as a as a spirit barrier. Uh, my favorite, my memory of first encountering that terrifying beast as it ate me alive has stuck with me to this day. Fear the lurker shark. Yep. So it seems like mechanically yeah. a, a like a similar thing to like Snacky. I was yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
There's lots of those. We almost did the top five about them. Uh, maybe we'll keep that in our back pocket for another day. Uh, you boy says Jonathan Johnny Jones from Super Mario RPG. He's a pirate captain who is first a boss, but becomes your ally after you defeat him. He even comes to your aid during a cutscene. Yeah. Another favorite shark that's not a character is the land shark gun from the forgotten LucasArts game Armed and Dangerous. You fire the gun, a fem swims, swims around on land, and a shark comes up to eat any enemies it finds. Which I think eventually inspired uh, the same gun from the Saints Row series, right? There was also the land shark gun. Yeah. Yes. It was it was extremely similar, but more pirate themed. Yeah. So from the official mm-hmm. Laser Time Facebook community, Andrew uh, Jacchetti, and he actually started a thread to tell me how to pronounce his name. So thank you for that, Andrew. Hope I got it right this time. So it's like jacket and e. So Jacchetti, uh, gotta throw a strong scruffy the janitor second to Snacker the shark from Banjo. For one, he looks so goddamn derpy. But the real reason is I want as much Banjo talk as possible. I love the series. So much, and it would probably be the only exclusive slash sequel slash remake or remaster that could compel me to buy an Xbox One, as their exclusives just don't do it for me compared to Nintendo and Sony. But they do have the banjo rights, I think. Banjo Kazooie is also my go to Super Smash character to beg for. He would be so perfect for that game. The fact he hasn't been included yet, and I don't care about the legal roadblocks, ranks among history's greatest crimes. Andrew, you cheating, you're answering a question of the week from like several months ago now now with that one with smash bros characters you want <laughs> but i'll allow it also sorry to step on andrew's answer there but i'm glad to uh have a like person here <laughs> i mean i i mean nintendo and microsoft have been making nice recently like with the minecraft interplayability and and fortnite so who knows they could uh they could make this happen never say never i would love that yeah mm. Yeah, so Leland Mangrum says, My favorite video game sharks are the ghost sharks Captain Kid from World Heroes series tosses at you like a Hadouken. I think the shark Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember those. <laughs> I just like that, yeah, ghost sharks like a Hadouken and we had the Capcom guy read it. It all adds up. It all works it, out. Yeah. It's all, it's all lining up. Uh, John Mathias says, My favorite shark definitely has to be this boss that I'm upset didn't get included on the list. Acro from Kirby64. Now, to be fair, I'm not entirely sure if he's a shark or a killer whale, and my two minutes of Googling didn't help, but he is a great boss, and the chase sequence in his level is amazing. Dan Wessels uh, says, Arkham City, hands down. During the penguin section of the game, you're making your way through a museum. One room is flooded and the water is frozen. You have to creep along the ice so it won't break. If it breaks, you fall in the water and you have to watch a cutscene where Batman is eaten by a shark. Very traumatic. You can't do anything to it. Just slowly make your way through the room and pray. Later in the game, you return to the room. The ice is melted, so you must now slowly pull yourself across the water while on a raft. At a certain point, the shark will burst out of the water and start munching on your raft. Then you, as Batman, can repeatedly punch the shark in the face. His emphasis. The first time this happened, I was stunned. The game's usually pretty clever in how you complete significant encounters, but this one was just so gloriously simple and dumb. It genuinely surprised me and has stayed with me for years. However, the developers really should have given you an achievement here named shark repellent yeah i was gonna say at least now we know why he carries shark repellent (laughs) with him in the batman movie 
Uh, but actually, that <laughs> shark's name, Dan, is Tiny. Tiny the shark in the penguin section mm-hmm. because Michael and I did consider adding Tiny to the list. And and it is horribly scarred and really terrifying, especially if you're looking at its milky white, non-functioning eye. <laughs> God damn, that thing is horrifying. Like, right up there with the Neptune. It was really good. Yeah, I mean, and the surprise factor was, like, a huge part of it, too. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But the the only thing about Tiny that seems inconsistent is, like, all those bodies that you find floating in the tank, like, you see them through, like, a plexiglass window, and they're all completely intact, which, be- because it's a Batman game and no one gets dismembered, but still. <laughs> Makes um, it even creepier. I know. It does. It's so eerie. Um, so, new question of the week if you could take a tropical vacation uh, in at one location from a video game, I'm, I'm guessing it has to be tropical, yes. right? Uh, where would it be? Um, I guess in my case, it would probably be Isla Delfino, just because out of all the tropical locations in video games that I can think of, they're likeliest to have air conditioning. <laughs> That's a good point. Wow. Having having been to tropical places, I can say that is important as a as a white dude who lives in the uh, coldest part of California. Yes, true. <laughs> Um, I have to say as a self-styled pirate, uh, it is the, the glaring omission from our list. I would visit the islands from Assassin's Creed 4 just because, and, but specifically back in that era, in kind of the age of piracy, mm. if you will, the golden age of piracy. Like to me, uh, I've actually, in the Caribbean, I've only visited Jamaica. Uh, and I loved it. It was amazing. And I would, I've, I definitely want to go back and visit more islands there. Yeah, I was going to say you you can do, visit those yes, in real yes. life, just not the same way. Yeah, not from the same time period. Yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. the I think my choice would probably be uh, Yoshi's Island, just because it seems like it's impossible to be um, anything but just obnoxiously happy there. Um, and then I also want to touch fuzzy, get dizzy, because it seems like that's worth experiencing at least once in your life. <laughs> <True. Nice. laughs> What is a tropical place that you would vacation on from a video game? Uh, let us know. Go to vidigameapocalypse.com and answer under the comments for episode 277. Alternately, you can go to the uh, official LaserTime community on Facebook and answer the thread there. Or you can just hit us up on Twitter at VGApocalypse with your answers and we'll read a selection of them on next week's show. So that's been our that's been our show pretty much. Uh, let's go with some plugs. Tim, did you? Uh, I mean, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, well, you know, I'm just uh, I'm at Tim Turry on on Twitter. Um, that's basically it. But uh, nothing too specific right now. I mean, I guess um, I can uh, I can do the Capcom thing. Uh, yeah. which is, uh, we got, uh, Mega Man X Legacy Collection 1 and 2 came out recently for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, And they're PC. awesome. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that was a lot Full of fun. Full disclosure, you gave me codes for those, so thank you. Yeah, you, you got it. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta hold up your promise and beat every single game by the end of this week, otherwise. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, and then That's Mega Man. That's a lot to take in. I can't even get past Chill Penguin. You can do it, man. Uh, use that uh. dash. Uh, and then uh, Mega Man 11's out on October 2nd, which I'm super uh, excited about. Um, so, yeah, that's that's that. Otherwise, um, yeah, lots of Mega Man. 
Mega Min, if you will. Cool. Um, yeah, Mega Min. <laughs> so if you are going to be attending uh, PAX West, which is uh, coming up in a few weeks here, um, please stop by the Hippogriff Theater uh, Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m., where I will be appearing with the USGamer.net crew alongside Austin Walker from Waypoint, where we will be talking all about Mass Effect, uh, one of the best RPGs ever as part of us gamers ongoing uh, series where they break down the best rpgs of all time where i also recently appeared uh with cat bailey and talked about world of warcraft and its place on that list so yeah pax west uh 5 p.m saturday hippogriff theater uh i will be there repping video game apocalypse hope to see you there oh that sounds awesome i'll see you thank you tim yeah nice and like I said, you're representing the brand, so be disgusting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, also, uh, patreon.com slash laser time. If you want to kick a few bucks toward the show every month, uh, it helps us keep things afloat. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, if you're, if you're already giving to us, great. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, if you're not, consider signing up and, uh, just sending us a few bucks a month. You'll get extras that you wouldn't ordinarily get. Uh, and again, it helps keeps the light. It helps keep the lights on at uh, Laser Time headquarters, wherever that might be. Uh, but as always, you can follow us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or me personally at Wikiparas. That's our show, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. arguing with his wife was like shut up calm down he's like but i was taking a poop and he kept using the word poop not like taking a shit taking a dump <laughs> so it's like this old 60 year old drunk guy i was taking a poop and they walked in on me you suppose that's the lowest point in his life or was there something <laughs> worse earlier on like he waited that long to reach that nadir and, and you said that he can he's going to be a guest on this show right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we gotta get him on holy okay. shit you've been a wonderful audience thank you and good night